0: Welcome, everyone, back to the Sandalanch. I am Dak, and with me, as always, is... Dana. Jamie. And Joe. And this week we're covering chapters 24 and 25 of Mistborn, the Final Empire. In these chapters, it starts out pretty happily. The gang's all back together and having a really good time, so naturally that means things are about to go to hell. <laughs> uh, and it t- turns out Yedin has ruined everything for everyone, has led part of the army Into battle, and now most of them are dead, and the rest of them are just like, Holy shit, what the hell do we do now? So, yeah, fun times. So, buckle up, strap in, and uh, get ready for the sandlanch to begin.
1: So, from the first time they introduced us to "here's the plan, here's how we're gonna do this," we were like, "Well, they just laid out the whole plan. It can't possibly work. Things are gonna go wrong." I don't know if any of you guys expected it to go this wrong as it did in these chapters. So, what did you Boy, guys did think? Boy, did it ever overall? go
2: wrong!
0: It really did. Yeah, no, I don't think I expected it to go quite this way. But honestly, I didn't really know what I expected. I just like, mm-hmm. all right, it's gonna go wrong somehow. I don't quite know how, and yeah, the fact, all right, now they've lost their entire fighting force, because Yedin is just an idiot, and I've <laughs> got to say, not surprised by that, not at yeah, all. Yeah,
1: yeah, we weren't real confident in Yedin's leadership ability at any point during this story.
0: Screw his leadership ability, we weren't like, confident in Yedin as a person.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's dead now with his head on a spike, it feels kind of mean to uh, just, just continue to rag on him, but it's
0: true. Yeah, yeah, I guess.
3: I can't say I'm shocked at how quickly it went wrong. Once we knew it was going to go wrong, how quickly it went wrong. I mean, that's that's seems to be Brandon Sanderson's style. <laughs> if you're gonna, it's a little bit like Kelsey. You know, if you're gonna do it, you're gonna do it with some flair and be very dramatic about it. But it was, um, <laughs> yeah. It, when they were sitting, uh, not in the bar, in clubs or shop, and they're all having a nice time and they're feeling like, oh, this is all great. I was like, nah, something serious is going to go down. And it did. I was a little bit sad that no one's really got any hope that they were ever going to actually take Final Empire. They're all just happy that they could die challenging it, which was really sad. But, yeah, <laughs> to lose what fire out of your 7,000 army, that's, yeah, the whole game plan's gone. they got to try and figure something else out now. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it was kind of a depressing end to the chapter, or to the section, the whole section really, where he's like, "Oh no, we just all assumed that
2: everyone was gonna die." Good talk, good talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so these chapters were a little uh, depressing for sure. <laughs> I, I, you know, and and I kind of like Dak said, it's they were all sitting there and enjoying being with one another in um, in the clubhouse, in club's house or whatever you call it, club's clubhouse, out of the box, you know. <laughs> Anyway, they were all enjoying being in clubs workshop and all being together. And I'm like, yeah, this is this is just spelling doom for them. I feel like something really bad's going to happen. And then it did. And yeah, I mean, Yedin making following the decision of those generals. I mean, it was just really, really poor thinking on his part. But again, I don't think he was ever cut out to be a general. I think when Kelsier put him there, I mean, we even know. For a fact, he didn't plan on keeping Yed in there forever. He was going to bring Breeze in. Yeah, but it was just a—it was obviously a mistake to have Yed in there at all. And
0: you, now you know—you know—that you know your uh, your plan is pretty bad when you're ba- when um the
2: better option is bring in Breeze. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, and honestly, uh, my theory on why he was going to bring in Breeze is that he needed, he realized, yeah, these these guys may not be able to hold together. I need somebody who can riot them or soothe them all the time so that they can kind of stand together as an army. And I think that's why he had planned on bringing in Breeze later. But anyway, Yedin's dead. Kelsier will never get his luscious blowjob from him. It's just a. <laughs> it's a very sad sad state of affairs for our thieving hero group
1: yep our hero thieves it's yeah it's a thing okay let's let's start in on these on these two chapters so the very first epigraph on this one is i kind of like he's just all talking about how he can still recognize suffering and it still makes him upset and he's like if i ever lose this ability to See the tears in a young child's eyes and feel pain and suffering, then I will know that I've passed beyond hope of redemption, which I think is supposed to be a very nice uh, juxtaposition to the horrible Lord Ruler that everyone hates so much.
0: Also, it's a kind of a nasty implication at you know what Kelsey is doing, because he didn't really seem to give a shit about such things right now. Mm. I mean, yeah, the Lord Ruler is holding his own humanity to account, at least.
1: Yeah, so maybe we're getting some more parallels. Although he seems to take it kind of hard when all these people die for him.
0: That that is true, but that that was because they were his people. I feel like um, the Lord Ruler mm. is, is. It seems like he's talking about people in general, whereas Kelsey is like, if like if someone that I have to kill, it's because they're nobility or they've sold out and they're not worth remembering. So interesting. That's true. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. So yeah, we start out with everybody having fun, hanging out together at in club shop and dachshund comes down he's like hey what's this a party you guys didn't invite me and you know they're ribbing each other and having fun
0: now that joe said it i can't not think of this place as the club's house <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: it seems like a real missed yeah. opportunity right <laughs> I
2: was like, is that actually why his name is clubs yeah when i was reading this section i just kept thinking of the song boys are back in town boys are back in town. <laughs> that
0: totally fits I was thinking of the party scene in Avengers Age of Ultron, where they're trying, they're all, like, gathered around the table with a few uh, drinks, and they're trying to yeah. lift Thor's hammer. Except instead yep. of a hammer, they were going for an accent. <laughs>
1: uh, we start out with, uh, you know, Ham having ripped the sleeves off of his uniform coat, because, as I mentioned before, he hates sleeves. And uh, he just wears vests with nothing underneath.
2: He worked hard for those pewter arms. Gotta show them off.
1: Yeah, gotta, gotta show off the guns, obviously. And I I like his little his little thing about uh, how money is a physical representation of the abstract concept of effort. And then Kelsey is like, oh, by the way, I need a few physical representations of the concept of effort. It's a fun little exchange before they move into uh, making fun of Breeze by all talking in spook speak, which I love. The the very first part of that is spook says the thing and Breeze is like, I have no idea what you just said, child. So I'm simply going to pretend it was coherent and then move on because it reminds me so much of our discussion in the last episode.
0: I was going to say, yeah, that's pretty much a game (laughs) plan.
1: But, ironically... (laughs)
3: I'll uh, explain it.
1: Well, in this case... Hold on, let me find it now. So, in the annotations for this chapter, he says, If you hate Spook's dialect, I apologize for this chapter. This is the place in the book where I spent the most time on it, and I really like some of the phrases here. I tried to make the dialect focus on rhythm and sounds, making it alliterative and interesting simply to say out loud. But in case you need it, here's a loose translation of the exchange in the chapter. Uh, oh so, good. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you guys what this means. <laughs> so so Br- Breeze gets Spook to go get him some some wine, and he's like, Oh, I love this kid. I barely even have to push him. And uh, Spook says, Where is it?
0: Nicing no, yeah. the knot on the playing without.
1: Nicing the knot on the playing without, and uh, apparently that means it's not nice to play with people like that. To which uh, that Breeze makes his response about. It. He's like, I'm just gonna pretend that makes sense. And Kelseyer says, Losing the stress on the nip. Nodding without the needing of care, which apparently means roughly, oh, don't worry about what he does to you. He's not worth your concern. (laughs) And Spook says, (laughs) uh, riding the rile of the Rids to the right, which apparently means you're probably right. That's the most accurate one for me. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I was like, that's that's so far. Come on. And then Breeze is like, what are you babbling about? And Spook says, wassing the was of brightness. Nip the having of wishing of this, which means he wants to be clever. He pushes people around because he wants to prove that he is clever. I don't know where clever comes into that, but. Uh... <laughs> and then I, I think that Kelsier's actually is the easiest to read, where he says, ever wasing the doing of this. Like, I get that one. It just means, like, he's always yeah. done that, basically. Now that you've been the context
0: of the earlier sentences, sure.
1: And then Ham says, ever wasing the wish of having the have, writing the wish of wasing the not. Which apparently means he's insecure. I think he worries that he's not really that clever. <laughs> and that's the end of the translation. Because
0: then Doxon just pulls out some bullshit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which they say just doesn't actually sound mean
3: like anything. Cool.
0: But it totally works. And Breeze
1: is just like, oh my god, what is going on? Have I just had a stroke or something? And then everyone laughs, laughs at him. Because he's fun to make fun of. But then at the end of it, Spook says something in perfect fucking English. He does. Yep. And I was like, well, you can do that. You've been able to do that this whole
2: time. <laughs> yeah. that's, I think that that's the thing that now, buddy. Right. I think that's the thing that pissed me off the most. It's like, this kid obviously knows how to speak regular English. What's wrong with him? Just speak English so everybody can understand <laughs> you. Like, I understand <laughs> if you're with your friends and you all speak that dialect and you know what's going on. I, I get it. But when you're in regular freaking company... <laughs>
0: Speak English. It, it just makes me think there's a there's a robot chicken sketch where like Yoda is uh, uh, is on one of the ships and he's giving directions in his, you know, typical Yoda speak and one of the and one of the clone officers getting kneels down next to him is like, Look, I get what you mean, but we're in a battle situation where clear, concise instructions <laughs> can mean the difference between life or death. So can you please just maybe like dumb it down a bit for the rest of us so that we're all on the same page? And Yoda's like, Hmm, that's a good point. You give me a lot to think about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like, yeah, that, that sounds like a Robot Chicken already. Right. Yep. I love, yeah, I, I, I can see the comparison there. But I think yep. in this case, it's a fun scene of using this because it's just to make fun of Breeze, like the whole thing.
0: I do like making fun of Breeze, so <laughs> mm, now I'm conflicted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, uh, Breeze
1: just like gives up. He's like, whatever. <laughs> it, it says he rolled his eyes indignantly and shook his head and muttered about the crew's gross childishness. So, but I, I think they make it pretty clear from a couple of little bits in here that this is supposed to be a straight up contrast to the earlier chapter where Vin is standing outside watching them have fun and to show how far she's come.
0: Yeah, well she makes that comparison herself. Yeah. like She's just like, oh man. Although I, I didn't click initially because she's like, oh, she imagines she can see a figure out the front I'm just like, oh fuck, they've been found.
1: <laughs> 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 no, it's a nice little moment of recognizing character growth over six months. Yeah. There's also a moment in there, I don't know if anybody else picked up on it, where Kelsey, hands, her like a cup of wine and she pauses for a second before drinking it because she didn't ever used to be comfortable drinking a drink that was prepared by someone else. Yeah. And so that was a smaller little note to that Mm -hmm. same character growth. So we find out that one of the great houses is on its way out of the city, basically. House Techiel.
2: Which isn't, uh, isn't that one of, uh, elon's friend ellen's friends isn't he one of the house techiel guys yeah that might be true hold on let's see now we're gonna, we're
0: gonna go back actually. in I'm, and look i remember one of them was hasting but i don't remember
3: i thought techiel was one of like the unlikely people he would be speaking to but maybe that was hastings yeah. i'm not sure
2: if it is one of them i just wonder how that would affect kind of what they're doing and planning and things
3: Uh, I'm
1: not seeing that among the people that he was talking to. It is the house that Kelsier tell, when he's pretending to be uh, an informant, he tells Venture that Techiel is buying arms from, like, House Hastings or somebody else at a huge discount and that they're cheating him because they're not selling it to him as cheap. But that is the only other one that I'm finding in here. Other than the fact that that's also the house where he threw the dead guy on their lawn.
3: Hmm. Definitely one of the ones that he was manipulating anyway.
1: It's working. Yep. yep. So that part of the plan is, is going well. They're one-tenth of the way to destroying all the great houses. Woo! It's just going to be, you know, harder without an army.
0: Well, I mean, they haven't been destroying the houses with an army, so like, That's they really true. need the army for that that part of it.
1: Kelsier says they're going to keep throwing balls until the end because it's uh, the political battlefield of this house war. And they're going to send Ham to the garrison to talk to his contacts. And then Kelsier's slightly offended that Vin wants to go with Ham and learn how to use pewter uh, better. And she doesn't want to come out and say that's like, well, he's probably better than you at pewter. You can't hurt Kelsier's, you know, pride too much. He doesn't take it well.
0: That's his own damn fault.
1: (laughs) The crew's concerned about the mysticism around Kelsier and the 11th medal, and he totally blows it off. He's like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it later. So I don't know. What do you guys think is going on with the, is it just about, you know, his, uh, his reputation and making himself like super famous or.
0: I don't know. Um, I feel like knowing Kelsey, I feel like it's something he just hasn't thought through. He's like, Oh yeah, this is something that will totally help people think that things will be good to go. And then like over time, that's just conflated with his ego and he's just sort of made it about himself. But he, has, I don't think he has any really clear idea of what he's doing with it. He was hoping, I mean, he mentioned he was hoping to have figured out the 11th medal by now, and he hasn't, so he's just kind of trying to put off having to deal with any discussion over it until he figures it out, because he still thinks he can. So, feel like mm. he's just like I'll, like, I'll get there, because it's me, I'm awesome, I'll sort it out. <laughs> but I just haven't sorted it out yet.
1: Okay. Uh, and then we get the scene that we talked about earlier, where he wants to send Breeze. I like Breeze's line of, have you finally grown so jealous of my impeccable fashion sense you've decided to have me disposed of? That's where his brain goes first. Like, I'm just Naturally. so fashionable. It's either his
0: clothes or his wine. This guy. Mm.
1: I don't know. It, it, Breeze is so fun. It, it, I, it's it, He's so fun to, like, make fun of that you can't even hate him for it.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't dislike Breeze. I just think he's, <laughs> he's just such an easy target, as the rest of the crew obviously think as well.
1: And I, I also like his reaction to becoming a general, where he's just like, I lead from the background, my dear man. I don't stand out in front. Go ahead, be a general. Do you have any idea how ludicrous that sounds? Which, yeah, it kind of does. Let's let's be fair.
0: And then it turns out the whole army like falling apart was all Breeze's idea, specifically <laughs> so he wouldn't have to become a general. Yeah, he engineered it.
1: It's one way to
3: get out of it. <laughs>
0: it's like I don't want to leave the city. All right, Yedin, uh, yeah, hey, hey, buddy, uh, yeah, it's me. Just like go out, make an attack somewhere, fuck it all up, and that way I don't have to leave ha- leave home.
1: <laughs> and they're just they're having a good night. The night ends with them just hanging out, happily laughing, and Vin's like, Man, if only Reen had known that this sort of thing was possible, maybe things would have been different for us. It has to end on a little bit of a bittersweet note, but, you know, he can still show up and be part of the, the good life, Vin. You don't know.
0: After all she's put through, I'm just like, I really hope not. This guy's just like a massive twat. <laughs> well, we never actually met
1: him. All we know is what Vin says he did, which we, we could probably believe Vin, but. We don't know that yeah, much about I his guess. actual personality. Like, we've never been in a conversation
0: with him.
3: And <laughs> and honestly, he ran an ice truck on the side. <laughs> the crew that they were a part of, though, it doesn't sound like a totally unreasonable way to behave either. It's only because they're siblings and we look at, you know, our relationships, I guess, with our siblings and what we think is right and wrong. For her, she's like, well, this is just how you're treated in the crew. He's my brother, but this is how you're treated.
0: Wait, was, yeah, even, was he a part Even of the, though
3: we know in this universe it's not normal.
0: Was he a part of the crew? I thought he traded Vin into that crew to get away. No, no like
3: he, was a, his, he was a part was of really Cannon's
0: crew. Yeah, because Cammon
1: He's, said that uh, his yeah. brother he like, stole debts. money
2: from him or something. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Uh,
1: so yeah, he just disappeared one day and left behind some debts with Cammon, apparently, is what Cameron said. And that's right. why Vin was having to work off these debts somehow. Like, that was ever going to happen. Uh And so the next day, Vin and Ham are headed to the garrison, and he gives her, you know, there's a bunch of stuff about how she manages to slip back into being a ska really easily, and it's not awkward or, like, hard for her. It's just another disguise, basically, is how she's looking at it now. Uh, She has a whole different opinion on all of this now that she's been a noblewoman for a while. (laughs) But they talk about Ham's family a little bit, which we touched on before, and so this is, I guess, where we get some Ham backstory about his wife out there living in one of the suburbs of Luthadel or something, and she doesn't really have to work for a living because he makes so much money, and they're pretty well off, actually. So I guess that's nice.
0: Well, Ham seems to be the one in the crew who has it the most together. It's true. He's very... So well, uh, Ham seems to be the happiest.
1: He does seem to be the happiest. That's also true. I'm trying to think now about the others. Kelsier like, smiles a lot, but he doesn't. I don't think he's actually very happy. And Dachshund is a worrier. I don't know how happy he is outside of a job. But once he's in the job, he's just worrying. I like the scene earlier where he's like, what did you do to that
0: dress, young lady? <laughs> well, he's, he's he's the money man. He's just like, I, I had to spend so much money on that dress. What the shit? Now I have to get it dry cleaned? Do you know how much that costs in a world where people breathe ash all the time? Mm. Yep, he's got to make sure nobody runs out of money. I mean, like, that was... It, it just seems like, is he a tailor maybe? Because he seems, you know, he was worried about the the vest with the sl- like Ham's vest with the sleeves torn off. He's just like, God damn it, guys! Like, clothes aren't just objects for you to put on. There's art to this shit. He seemed more concerned. He's like, that you, you know how much that
1: uniform costs. Because okay. that's when Ham gets his whole like, yeah, but what is money really? And yeah. I feel like I put in a lot of work wearing this uniform, so now me and this vest are even. <laughs> <laughs> just. He's even with the vest. It's great. Uh,
0: See, so yeah, I don't know how
1: happy Dachshund is. Breeze seems happy ish, just in his laziness and making everyone do things for him.
0: Uh, Breeze seems content. Like, Ham is happy and he's pleasant. Like, whereas Breeze, Breeze is just condescending and he's just. Happy's not the right term. As long as he gets what he wants, he's content. But he doesn't really seem to be. to get any satisfaction out of things. Whereas Ham does. Mm. If you follow, yeah.
1: When we first started out, Kelsey said that Breeze would be in because he likes a challenge. So maybe that's where he gets his satisfaction is from, like completing these challenging things. Awesome. Which we, I guess, we haven't really seen. You know, the job's not done yet, so he hasn't come beaten the challenge. So maybe that's why. Hm. Yeah. Ham just wants the money for his family, as he describes here. He wants to move somewhere far away where it doesn't matter if you're a noble as long as you have enough cash. Where'd you know, in, in the Final Empire, that's probably about the best that you can hope for if you are
0: a Ska. Pretty well, yeah. I did think it interesting when he said, oh, yeah, you know, we can move to another city as needed. Mm-hmm. Or to, like, a, to, a, to a smaller town near the plantations. Like, wait, that's that's possible?
1: Apparently, and I think she mentions it later in this chapter, that, uh, may, or maybe it was another one that I read, I don't get to. Apparently travel's pretty restricted for Ska, or for people in the Final Empire in general. But if you're sneaky enough, I guess... Because we know that uh, those trusting plantation ska kind of filtered out to other plantations eventually. And then talks about how the people working the plantations don't really notice uh, – know one ska from another. So if one leaves or a new one shows up, nobody takes notice.
0: Well, they don't have faces.
1: No, of course not. That's why the guy in the – in the tr- or trusting in the prologue like sees here, look up and give him this defiant look. And then he's like – a minute later, he doesn't remember what that guy looked like because they're all just sky to him. Uh, yeah. People. And uh, I, the most interesting part about this to me is other than the fact that he's just, you know, I'm in it for the money. And that's what Kelsier and Vin – or not Vin. Kelsey and Mayor, uh, that was their plan originally, but they never quite went there. Uh, but the part that I, I find interesting is when uh, he talks about how he can't tell anyone where his family is because the ministry would track him down. And she's like, why would they go to all that trouble? And he's like, well, you know, I'm a misting, so all of my descendants will also have noble blood, which means they could be alamancers When an inquisitor kills a misting, they make certain to wipe out his children too. So that's hardcore, but not at all surprising.
0: It also just shows like Ham is he's he thinks about the possibilities and he's taken everything into account. He's done everything he can to make sure they're safe. Yeah, like he like he's 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 not just. Uh, he doesn't just think in the moment; he thinks for every possibility. So he's actually, yeah, no, I I, I like that. I think he's just uh, he's he's not just the the blase happy guy. He's also the smart one. Mm-hmm. Mm. And well,
1: and we talked about last time how they were gonna change Ham to a woman in the in the movie. And this was another thing that people were pointing out. They're like, but Ham's backstory is like this. How could they do that if it was a woman? And I was like, well, really easily. Yeah. Ham clear, clearly, Ham makes enough money that. If he was a girl and he got pregnant, he could take a few months off to have a kid and then leave the kid with his significant other. It's not really – I don't feel like it's that big a deal, but I don't know. Other yeah, people no, no.
2: It's, it's a non-issue. Issue.
0: Yeah, I, I think I still see no issue with him being a woman.
2: It's uh—it's just a commentary on those readers that don't have any creativity in their own brain. They're like, no, it's got to be this two-dimensional character that I read on a page. can't be any different.
1: It's, yeah, yeah people they they don't like change especially something that they really love i watched that did we talk about that before i don't remember i watched the artemis fowl movie with the kids and god was that a piece of crap
0: i've heard that i know nothing about the books but like everyone i know who does says it was just the worst
1: i like the first book in the series i i found it pretty enjoyable and it has fun characters and like a clever plot i thought but the movie's just like it's so annoying but there's a lot of books in that series, and they get weird afterwards, because in the first book, his whole thing is he's a criminal genius, and he's he's a criminal, this, like, 11-year-old criminal or something, and he has this plan to commit a crime, basically. So he's not really a good guy. And then in subsequent books, they had to kind of change it so that he was a good guy, because he's the main character, <laughs> which uh, kind of neuters the whole thing for me, but whatever. We're not talking about those
0: books. I'm sorry. <laughs> We can't, we can't have Hello the protagonist and, for kids. kid's book be a bad guy. What's that? Daffoo? <laughs> no, nothing. nothing.
2: <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Artemis Fowl Podcast. No. My name <laughs> is
1: Joe. I don't want to read most of those books again, so...
0: <laughs> and that right there says everything we need. Yeah.
1: I mean, the first book I've read several times. Like I said, I like that one, but the rest... Did. Anyway, so uh, Ham gives her some tips on burning pewter. Basically, like, you know, use it use it sparingly at a couple moments.
0: I've been waiting for this for freaking ages. For some reason, I thought Ham would be one of the first ones she went to for, ad- for tips.
1: Hmm. Well, and sadly, we don't get to actually see him demonstrate any of it, but he does give her, like, a nice long kind of overview of it. So, I don't know, do you guys feel that if that was Ham's this-is-my-thing scene that we got enough out of it, or do we need some more?
0: Well, I mean, she gets to use it when she and Kelsey are doing the mad dash. She still remembers some of the principles there, so... Hmm. I mean, she uses
3: it completely contrary to how he says to use it, though. It's kind of like, okay, (laughs) this is everything you've just learned from Ham. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, don't do that. We're going to do this. (laughs) (laughs) But I I really liked that Ham's lesson was a little bit more of a, or less of a hands-on, this is how you use this metal. It's about being smart and when to use it, instead of the the subtlety of it. And that like you don't want to just go all out and burn your pewter because that'll give you away. But be smart about it. Use it towards the end or use it just to balance yourself, you know, little bursts of the way to go, which I thought was quite a good thought, especially for something where you're like, oh, this makes me strong and fast and balanced and, like, all these good things. But it's like, just wait, take a minute, think it through, only use it when you really need to use it. It's going to be more of an asset to you that way.
1: And having Ham be the one who's, like, puts a lot of thought into how he uses his metal kind of totally fits doesn't it
0: oh absolutely mm. i also think like it's just really nice to have in most works of fiction you have the person whose main characteristic in a fight is their strength they just are the strong person and those mm. people are usually unintelligent just you know big dumb bruises i so i always really like it when you've got the character who is stronger than everyone else who's also really smart and, about how to use it it makes them so much more dangerous and interesting mm. mm-hmm. i agree then
1: they have a conversation about the people who serve in the garrison. And so basically, like, these are the Lord Ruler's army, and it's all these Ska who have kind of sold out and gone to work for the Lord Ruler. Technically, the Lord Ruler owns all of the Ska. So I don't know how much it feels like a selling out to me, but uh, I don't know. What do you guys think?
2: I think I think mainly they feel like it's a, some kind of sellout sell out because they do seem to be getting compensated for what they're doing, which allows them to, A, have a better life than the other Ska, and B, I feel like they think it's they think it's a betrayal because they use their garrison to keep the Ska down. So it's literally like, hey, I, I belong in the Guard, and I'm going to kill Ska if I have to, kill other Ska if I have to, just because that's what we do. We've, we've got to take care of the sky and make sure that the, they don't start any trouble. Mm.
1: And he does say, he's like, these are mercenaries uh, who have been hired to fight. They'll attack friends or even relatives in a riot or rebellion. Uh, soldiers just learn to understand these kind of things. That's a little hardcore, too, but I guess it makes sense in mercenary terms. It turns out Ham recruited a couple of these guys to be, you know, officers back out at the caves. The ones that he thought he could talk into it.
0: Which says a lot about how smooth Ham must be as an operative to convince people whose job is to put down rebellions like this to go and join one without the rest of the garrison noticing.
1: Hmm. That's a good point. I hadn't thought of that.
0: Yeah, it just seems like, oh yeah, these are the guys who are going to kill us when, we, like, when the plan starts to come together. I'm just going to pinch some of them out and like it's one, th- but it's one thing to convince some of them to go and join the rebellion. It's another to do it without the rest of the garrison finding out about it and putting Ham down for good.
1: Yeah, I guess you must really have confidence that these guys are not going to betray you if you're going to reveal this to the pe- exact people who would be in charge of killing you for it. Yeah. That takes some guts. Uh, okay. So we get to the garrison where he's going to claim that she's his niece so that she can watch him kind of spar. But it turns out sparring is off the table for the moment. Because it's not, it, it's still a secret at this point, but there was an army of Ska rebels that appeared and attacked whole step garrison up in the north. And so uh, the Valtru garrison has been sent 5,000 soldiers, but we're sending the Luthadel garrison out as well. And they want to hire Ham to join up and go and put down this rebellion, which he agrees to. And the chapter ends with Vin being like, oh no, our army's been exposed They're not ready. They're going to get massacred. This is horrible. So, at this point, before you move into the next chapter, what are you thinking as you come up to this?
0: Shit, 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 shit.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's all pretty bad.
2: Yeah, I was honestly like, why are they doing this? Who told them to go and attack this this garrison? Like, why did they do it?
0: Oh, I knew exactly
2: and, who told them. <laughs> seeing, I was confused because for me, like, Yed in this whole book has been, seemed kind of like a timid figure to me. He he talks a big talk, but he also, I feel like he's not a, the kind of person who would who would take action very quickly. So um, He has
3: just been put in charge of a successful project, though. Right. And I do, I, like, I know in the next chapter that they talk about you know, Kelsey gave them all of this hope. But Yedin was really taken with that and was like, oh, this is amazing. Yeah. You know, you can give your powers to us. Like we we're gonna yeah. win this thing. Like he's just filled on this. Yeah, we've got this. Let's go. Let's let's do it. Yeah, yeah last uh-huh. time we saw him he was, was all about the whole,
0: Yeah, we've got this, we're going, we are gonna win. Yeah. <laughs> I was just I mean I was they've been more successful
3: They've been more successful than any other Rebellion army has been, or any other Rebellion effort has been to this point. You know, I think he's just, he's a bit drunk on their their success so far, and he made a bad call. Like, a really bad call. But <laughs> he's um, obviously not thought it all through, and yeah, it's just led them to their doom.
1: So, at the end of the first chapter here, have you already given up that the army like she's like these men are going to be slaughtered or whatever have you already given up on the army or do you think that maybe they'll find some way to like salvage this
3: we you know they didn't we wouldn't have a story if there wasn't some level of of hope here so i didn't think that the entire army would have been wiped out i think this is their plan down the drain like they've got to come back with with something different but I, i didn't think they'd be all gone it would cripple them but i don't think it would destroy them when I, when I got to that point.
1: Okay. Right, I was just curious, since at, at this halfway point, what you guys were thinking. I, I feel like when I first read it, and it's been a long time now, but I feel like I was like, oh, well, this, this army is like the whole plan, basically. There's no way that they're going to lose it right here. They're going to come up with some way to get around this. But uh, no, they pretty much all just die, which uh, was probably a big surprise to me the first time I went through. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we move into the next chapter and the epigraph, which... I really like just how kind of dark this epigraph is, where he's like, no man dies by my hand or command, except that I wish there'd been another way. Still, I killed them. Sometimes I wish I weren't such a cursed realist. So he's like, yeah, I kill lots of guys, and I'm not happy about it, but, you know. Do Which, it. in a way, is kind of different from Kelsier, because he seems real happy about killing those uh, noblemen. Mm. So we start out with Kelsier, they're running some damage control. This, our, our main hideout club shop should be secure unless they capture Yedin. Breeze, you got to go tell all the hideouts that we recruited at. That the ministry might be showing up soon. Uh, warn Renu, but we don't want him to pull out. That's going to be a last resort. And uh, Ham, you're going to go join the the garrison, just like you said you would. We need somebody there. And he's just like, okay, but I'm not going to turn against them. If I agree to fight with them, I'm not going to suddenly like start killing them. And Kelsier's not happy. He's like, but I sincerely hope you can find a way not to kill any of our soldiers either. And he's preparing to go, and he has Sazed how much speed you have stored up, which I think I thought this happened in our previous discussion when they were talking about the different things you can store, and I totally mentioned speed in that episode, but I think this is where it comes up that uh, uh, okay. he used up all his speed that one night, and so he hasn't had time to store more than two or three hours since then. Because apparently speed is hard to store. Who knew? Like, how do you even pick... Yeah, how do you picture that happening? Where he's storing speed?
2: I would assume he has to not move at all. Hmm. Yeah,
1: I guess to store the maximum amount, that makes sense. Like you could move really slowly, but if, if you aren't moving at all, and you wouldn't be moving at all even if you weren't storing anything, then is there speed for you to store? I don't. I don't know.
0: So all Says has got to do is go down, pop a movie on on Netflix or something, and just chill out on the couch <laughs> for a few hours. <laughs>
1: Sazed can't go along. Very sad. I'm sure he really wanted to go to this big battle. But Vin wants to go. And Kelsier's like, you've never done anything like this before. And she says, that's fine. Even though it becomes clear very quickly that she has no idea what they're about to do. So she's kind of foolish to just be like, yeah, no, it's fine. But that just, that, that's kind of Vin. And so we won't go into all of it. But basically, they eat down a lot of pewter, and then they run for like 16 hours straight. Which <laughs> it
0: they're just going through in in daylight, like running running down these streets, and I don't know. They're, they're just like we don't care who sees us. We're just going for it. And I'm just imagining all the scar looking at them going past. It's like, oh man, them people is gonna freaking kill me with their cloaks and stuff. I'm gonna shove the cloak down my throat.
1: Well, and I do like that they call that out. They're like, some of the people start yelling as they rush by, and then they see the cloaks and they're like, oh, I better shut my mouth. You don't want to start anything with a Mistborn
0: then I'm just imagining, like, they jump and they use the guard's armor to, to push themselves <laughs> off the ground, and they just crush into to the ground. I'm just imagining this guard just sitting there trapped on his own armor, just going, uh, uh, Halt. One hand weakly in the air. <laughs> halt. I like that. <laughs> Okay, so no, it was it
1: was in that previous chapter that we read where Vin mentions that the Lord Ruler very strictly controls travel travel inside the realm. She's like, you you have to go through the gate and be checked off that you have a legitimate reason to be able to go anywhere to even leave the city because the Lord Ruler's like, no, I want to know what everybody's doing at all times basically. And that is the part that they skip here, where the two soldiers who are there checking to see if everyone's allowed to leave, they just use them as anchors to shoot up over the wall and run off. So it's it would been a lot of
3: precious time wasted. If they've been standing in the line, you know, waiting to get their passports <laughs> and visas checked. And like, oh, my God. You know?
0: Do you have any fruits or vegetables?
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so It's a two week trip by canal, but we're going to run it in uh, in 16 hours or less. And uh, she says they're running maybe not quite as fast as a galloping horse, but they do not stop running. They go all through the night and into the next day. And it results in some of my favorite bits of Vin thought, just because she's so out of it by the end. that She's like, I'm going to die. I hate running. That's why I've always lived in the city, not in the countryside, so that I wouldn't have to run. And it's like she knew she wasn't making any sense, but lucidity was not currently one of her virtues, which is just an amazing line. And they find the battle and they see their people getting just slaughtered.
0: I did, like, hear how Kelsey is just, like, about to run straight into the battle, and Vin's just like, dude, what the hell are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, there is a, there is an army down there who gives a shit how much out you got. You're not going to be able to f- take on a whole army.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, we know it's, like, 5,000 guys down there uh, in this enemy army, so. I don't know, see, and there's an example of, like, Kelsey really cares about these people. He's like... I don't give. I don't. I don't care if there is an army down there. I'm gonna go down and try to save my my army, basically my people that I've led into this. And he has to. Vin has to stop him. And in the annotations, I it actually says it's like if Vin hadn't been there, he would have gone down there and he would have died. And that really would have been the end of the plan. So he's uh he's become a little more cautious since Vin got hurt, but he's not. Uh, he's still Kelsier.
3: <laughs> well, it's funny. Like I I thought when when he first took her with him this time I was like dude did you learn nothing last time like Mm -hmm. just because she says she wants to come doesn't mean she should come and I was really glad that she had that moment where it was like really stop and think about this because this is not going to end well if you go down there and it's like well she she did have a purpose in going and how drastically it would have been different like you're right he would have died there's no way he would have made it and even if he did make it he would have gone down there and exposed himself and exposed who he was now. I mean, because we know he's the survivor of Hassan, but does the Lord Ruler know that he's now? Mm. We we don't know how much they know. He could have given up so so much more information. So I was really glad that her being there was actually having a positive impact on what they did, as sad as it was to just watch the rest of their, their army die. It was, yeah, if she wasn't there, that would have been it.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a contrast to the last time where she's serving a very important purpose here. I agree with you.
3: Mm.
1: And we also find out that the Valtru garrison, or whatever they're called, apparently has orders to wipe everybody out because they don't even let them surrender. People are throwing up their hands and they just keep killing. So that's nice. And Vin only convinces him to leave by saying, let's go to the caves. They would have left some men behind, right? We, right? we can save them. Let's focus on people that we can save, not doing something stupid for people that you can do. Because she points out, it's like, even if you could try to get them away, they don't have alamancy to run away fast. Like, what are you going to do? And then, so they go to the caves, and Kelsier's like, oh, there's no one here, she was wrong. But she sees something that he does not see, and it turns out that there are people still. Not, uh, we find out that it's like, uh, Captain Demu, uh, who we know from earlier, is... Still here, and he's leading this group of 2,000 people. And they're not uh, – Kelsier's disappointed that they're not the most fit men. He's like, there's a lot that were past prime fighting age or before prime fighting age. The people young enough to be scared or old enough to know that this was stupid. But it's something,
0: I guess, you know? Uh, Yes, the old men and green boys.
1: And. I like the Demu's first thought. He's like, "Oh my, my God, Lord Kelsier! I'm so sorry. We were wrong to stay. The army must have won. That's why you're here, right? We thought we were being loyal to you by staying, but we're so sorry." And Kelsier's just like, "The army is dead. We have to go now."
0: <sighs> like, we're really gonna go? Two thousand people aren't exactly the easiest thing to hide. They were really lucky they had these caves. So, but mm-hmm. so, I mean, the garrison—they're
3: still—they're still fighting. They're still fighting, and the Luthadel garrison like, at best, on their way. Especially if this takes two weeks by canal, you, you know, the, the garrison aren't going to be able to run there in 16 hours either. So they're all going to go and search the caves and try and find any trace of what's left of this rebellion. So, I mean, getting them out of the caves is probably a good start because, obviously, oh. they've twigged too.
0: Like, definitely got to get them out. I'm just not sure where they can go after that.
3: Yeah. Far oh. enough away that they don't look for them, I guess.
1: hmm <laughs> So, yeah, I guess the question there becomes it's going to depend on what is going to happen next with the plan. Like, are we going to use these 2000 men in some way in the plan that we've created, in which case we have to try to find someplace to keep them close? Or is the priority at this point just like we have to have these men survive? We're going to, like, split them up and filter them out into plantations or something to just disperse them and keep them from getting murdered. Uh we, we're, we'll, I guess, talk about that a little when we get to predictions because the main, the main thing that I want to do in predictions is find out where everyone thinks this plan is going to be going now that we no longer have an army. So we'll get there. Uh, we get to Kelsier uh, out in the middle of the night with the whole army that someone has planned to bring bedrolls and food and all this other stuff. And Kelsier's like, as soon as I find that guy, he's getting a promotion because that's the best thing that's ever happened so far. <laughs> and it turns out that Yeden uh, we talked about earlier how his generals were like hey it might be a good idea to give the men some battle experience let's go out and test the army and uh, by having an attack on this uh, garrison and he meets up with the guy from the prologue Goodman Menace as he was called I've
0: been wondering if he was going to show up
1: yeah i was i was kind of curious if any anybody had been wondering about that or if it was just like no you know he's he was a one time character but he gets a bit of a piece here, and he explains that the men believed in him and thought they couldn't lose, basically. The generals and Yedin and everyone. He, he gets a whole speech about how he's like, people think that young men are fools, but I've noticed a little bit of age can make you far more foolish than you were as a child. Yedin was impressed, t- the type to be too easily impressed, both by you and by the reputation that you left for him. <sighs> so this is an aspect of that earlier – like we talked a lot in that earlier section about the crappy stuff that Kelsier was doing and how he was going to like murder this guy to give the army hope. But this may have been the worst thing that he did was he gave them so much hope that they were very foolish in the things that they did because they thought they couldn't lose. But, uh, I don't know. I, in comparison to the part that we spent so long talking about earlier, what do you guys think of that? Like, that was the whole thing that he was trying to accomplish. That's why he did that whole show and almost killed a guy, was to make them think that they could win. But apparently it went a little too far.
3: I think something this book has dealt with a lot in, in various different uh, chapters and with different characters is these unintended consequences of our actions. And, I mean, this is this is definitely, definitely one of those things that they've presented us with. So... Uh, I sort of forgot where I was going with that train of thought. Okay. Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: don't know, just... I feel like, yeah, a lot of it comes down to Kelsey just not thinking about stuff. He thinks, I can do this, therefore it will be good. And, yeah. I guess it just comes down to everyone needs oversight. Everyone should be running their plans with each other to make sure things are going to go well, like... You know, Kelsey probably should have spoken to Ham about this, that little stunt he pulled before he did it. Uh, Yedin should have spoken to someone else before he led an attack. Yeah, it just seems like a lot of people think, I've got this great idea, and I'm going to put it into motion without talking to anyone else. And it's like, hey, maybe you should double-check that with someone. Communication.
2: Yeah. You know what it, it reminds me of? It reminds me of somebody who's trying to be Batman, but is not Batman. <laughs> And what I mean by so they're wearing (laughs) hockey
1: pads is what you're saying.
2: No, no, you know, Batman is always a step ahead. He's always planned out everything that he's going to do before he does it. And a big part of Batman, especially the comics, is that people are always doubting that he can accomplish something, or they're always like, "Well, why don't you tell us what's going on so we're not left in the dark?" And he always does his own thing, doesn't tell people what he's doing, and then. Eventually, he he succeed, like he'll succeed because his plan worked, which you know people around him don't particularly like, and sometimes it comes back to bite him. For, for the most part, he gets the job done, and I feel like that because Batman's always got secrets. There's all you know, just like this book, there's always another secret. Um, I feel like Kelsier's trying to be Batman, but he's he's not smart enough. He's not good enough to do what the kind of stuff that Batman does. He's still Jason Todd.
1: (laughs) I I feel like that's a very Sherlock Holmes aspect of Batman because that Sherlock Holmes operates the same way where he's like, he's thinking like 20 steps ahead and he never tells anybody what he's thinking because although with him, it's more like this pride where he's like, well, if you can't figure it out, then I'm not going to sit here and walk you through the steps while I'm still in the middle of stuff. But, uh, Batman is very much the same way. You're right. I kinda get that. Are you familiar with the Batman Gambit?
0: The Batman Gambit? The, no. Yeah. I've heard the term, but I don't know the definition.
1: So it's a it's a trope on that you can find in like, you know, T V tropes or whatever. And so you've heard of the Xanatos Gambit. Yes. Or most of us anyway. For for anyone who is unfamiliar, the Xanatos Gambit is from Gargoyles where Xanatos sets up every plan so that no matter what happens, he wins or get something out of it. So his main plan might be like, you know, destroy this thing. But even if he fails to destroy that thing, it turns out he's got something in place to take advantage of the fact that that thing wasn't destroyed. So that's how Xanatos sets up his plan so that every result ends in a win for him. The Batman gambit is the Batman version of that same trope where Batman sets up the plan, but it's based on him knowing everyone so well that he can predict what they're going to do in any given situation. So he knows what they're going to do and he sets up the plan so that whatever it looks like he's doing it first, it's actually their reaction to that that gets him what he wants. And it's just what Joe was talking about reminded me of that. Cause it's always Batman playing like chess, 10 moves ahead of you basically.
2: Right. And I mean, and I feel like that's what Kelsey has been trying to do a lot, especially with him playing the houses against each other. And it has been working. But whatever his grand scheme, I feel like whatever his grand scheme was for using this army outside of what he's already told us, it just he didn't do it. He didn't do it the right way. He didn't do it properly. But by the same token, it comes down
0: to like the error was not in some grand idea that he had and how to use it. It was some minor part of everything that he didn't think was important that wound up being the undoing. Because as it turns out, leaving right. Yen in charge without oversight was the problem here. And, like, yeah, you know, right. didn't think that would be a thing because he's just like, oh, Yedin's part of the team. It doesn't matter.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess you could extend that to the Batman Gambit saying Kelsier did not know, cor- he did not correctly predict how Yedin would act and react to the situation yes. that was put before him. Yeah, he misjudged Yedin.
1: Well, and I think it goes a lot to your, your thought about communication that you had earlier because we saw during that scene with Kelsier where he claims that he can, like, lend them his powers to help them win the battle. That Yedin, who is theoretically a member of the crew and should be in on all the little secrets, he, he doesn't know enough about Alamance. He's like, oh, what? You can really do that? You can, like, share your powers with everyone? That's amazing. And instead of saying, no, hey, Yedin, let us let you in on what just happened here. Ham's like, Yedin, shut up and go back to
0: eating. Me and Kelsey are yeah. having a talk right now. Yeah. The, the, the grown-ups are talking. You're just the man who pays us.
1: Yeah, so even if they had but communicated he's now, he's with now just that, that much.
3: Figurehead.
0: Yeah.
3: He's now just that figurehead who is in exactly the same position as any one of those who've been recruited in that army. He's got no clue what's actually going on. No wonder he them led out. them all to die.
1: Yeah, some serious overconfidence there. And the thing and apparently he never even understood the plan well enough, because they're like, even if this had been a complete success and you'd killed this garrison and every, all our army had survived and we won this battle You've revealed the existence of our giant army, which makes it useless, because surprise was like nine-tenths of this deal. Right. So he never even understood the plan well enough to get that.
2: Yeah, it's like he wasn't there, like he wasn't listening to what Kelsier was saying the whole time. Mm. So it's...
1: Yedin started out as almost Kelsier's excuse, I feel like, to do this. He's like, we found this guy that... Wants kind of the same thing Kelsier wants, and so he can use this as the basis for this job to bring these other people in, that the Rebellion is funding us and we're going to do this job. But he was always treating Yedin as kind of a piece on the board that was not a part of the team, no matter how much they called him a part of the team. And he ends up with his head on a on a pike for his trouble. Although, fortunately, it means that uh, they probably didn't have any time to interrogate Yedin and find out all of the uh, secrets that he knew. So that's good, right?
3: Capturing him would have been worse.
1: Yeah. Worse for our friends, anyway. Yes. Uh, Kelsier says that they're going to split the group up and send them back to Luthadel in small groups to lose them among the Ska population. So I guess that answers the question about what they plan on doing with them. I'd forgotten that line was in here. And Menace advises him to uh, know when you've done enough or know when to quit, basically. And is having... This whole scene starts out with Kelsey being very introspective for maybe one of the first times that we've seen where he's thinking about, did I do something horribly wrong here? Like, I led all these men to their deaths, basically. They went into battle thinking they would have some sort of divine protection from me. And that's all my fault because I basically promised them that was the case, that I would give them magical powers to uh, help overcome this thing. And I don't think we've ever seen him that introspective before. He's just like, this is – I'm messing everything up even thinks to himself, the job is dead. We failed. The army's gone. There's not going to be a rebellion now. We're not going to take over the city.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting to me because he's having all these thoughts. It's interesting to me the thing that brings him out of it is somebody basically telling him the same thing. It's like, yeah, you, you know, you were trying to do something, and it, uh, at least at least, the sca got a victory out of it you know that's that's more than we've had in decades so you know you you've done you've done something admirable but it's it's time to quit now and and after he's had all these thoughts about how the job is is done then he turns and it's like no no it's not over you
1: don't tell me to quit only i can tell me to quit i'll show you
2: nobody makes me bleed my own blood nobody <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's like, oh my god, the job is over, we failed. Yeah, man, we did. How dare you agree with me when I talk about our failure? <laughs> <laughs>
1: and in in the annotations, this is interesting because I think this is the only time that I've seen this. But what he does in the annotations for this chapter is he says, here is a piece of my journal entry from the day that I finished writing this chapter. And so he says that he knew he wanted Kelsier to have this sort of soul-searching period, followed by The Return of Menace. But the problem is, I wasn't sure exactly how much I wanted him to self-doubt, because he really isn't the type to second-guess himself, so I didn't feel like he could brood for very long. Which totally goes with our perception of Kelsey here, it's like, he's not a guy to second-guess himself, he's the guy who's completely confident in himself at all times.
0: I mean, he does brood a bit, but it's mostly about things in the past, like, you know, with Mare and everything else like that, And he's and he's kind of just like, that was last time, now I'm so much better. And, yeah, basically.
1: But he says the second half of this chapter didn't start to work until I made Menace a conversational antagonist, having him advise Kelsier to give up. That was also his function back in the the prologue. He, he says chapter one, but it wasn't chapter one. So I was trying to figure out what to put there. Uh, so apparently, uh, you know, originally he had this guy uh, not as, I guess, antagonistic towards Kelsier. although he's not really that antagonistic. He's like, hey, you did good. It's the time to give up now. But I guess Kelsier needed someone to say that kind of thing to him and not try to encourage him that, no, it's okay. You can still do this in order to turn around and be like, no, I'll show you.
0: It's, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's the sort of thing like if Menace said, hey, we can keep going, Kelsier just fights with what people are telling him. So if Menace mm. had said, yeah, we can totally keep this going, Kelsey probably would have just gone, no, we can't. It's all over. Kelsey is just the contrarian. He really is. As
1: long as. Because he's so full of himself that he can't help it. Yeah.
0: Also, just on the note of the annotation. So so Sanderson writes and writes and writes and writes, and he churns out books once a year. And in addition to writing a book, he also keeps a journal the same day. Like, does this guy do anything other than write?
1: Yeah. And see, I I think maybe he didn't do the journal for that much longer, because like I said, that's the only time I've ever seen that. But it's interesting that you say that, because he did annotations for several books On uh, all three of the Mistborn trilogy, uh, Elantris and Warbreaker. And then at some point it was like, I just realized I was spending so much time going back over these chapters and writing up these little notes that I could have been spending writing another book instead. And so at some point he stopped doing the annotations. (laughs) Uh, So we'll we'll enjoy them while we have them. But uh, yeah, he writes a lot. And the way that he describes it, when he gets tired of writing something he winds down from that by writing a different thing instead. That so explains that's so much. Yeah, no, it, it does. That's why he has like all of these different books because, and sometimes he'll be working on one book and then there's one book, maybe in the Mistborn series, actually, that it was just like, he's in the middle of doing something else and he need a little break from that. So he started like a two page writing exercise that just became a book on like a plane ride or something. And it was like, Oh, Hey, this is practically a finished book now. So He's a little bit crazy, but I love his work. So I'm okay with it. I'm fine with him being a writing machine and not like yeah. a office or somebody. I don't need another office. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Back to, back to what we're talking about. It's, it's really super depressing. Actually, that menace is like, as we talked about earlier, he's like, Oh no, all these guys came here expecting to die. And you've, you did really something amazing. You gave the squad the greatest victory they've had in decades, maybe centuries. And that's what really sets Kelsier off, where he's like, this is what is wrong with our lives, is that the pointless death of 5,000 men is the greatest victory in decades or centuries. That's how hopeless our lives are, that we have to find comfort in defeats that we already assumed were going to happen anyway. And so he's just like, that wasn't a victory menace. I'll show you a victory. (laughs) Tomorrow is another day. (laughs) And that's the way that we wrap up that chapter is just being like, no, I'll show you a victory. And he's like, he wasn't going to walk away. He he wasn't finished yet. Not by far. And that's the end of part three. Oh (sighs)
2: no. Stomach clenches.
0: (laughs) Ominous ominous thunderclap.
2: So, any
1: any final (laughs) thoughts on these two chapters before we move into, I want to get everybody's predictions on what exactly is going to happen to the plan at this point. Final thoughts
2: spook (laughs) (sighs) no i'm just kidding you could cut that out i don't think finn's gonna do that
1: no she's it doesn't seem likely does it she even (laughs) thinks at that party we 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 jumped over that but she's just like he's he's avoiding looking at her and she's like i'm gonna have to deal with that kid but not tonight ellen was not a murderer and kelsey (laughs) was back this is a night to party That's her boyfriend material threshold is not a murderer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not a murderer and only had sex with a prostitute one time. My kind (laughs) of guy.
0: I did for some reason when reading this bit with Menace coming back. I have absolutely no idea why, but as soon as Menace started talking, I heard Sam Elliott's voice. I can see that. I don't know why that didn't happen in the prologue. Just all of a sudden now, it's just like, yep, here we go. Sometimes
1: Sometimes you get the bar,
0: and well,
2: sometimes (laughs) the bar heats you. He's like, Kelsey, do you have to use so many cuss words? (laughs) (laughs) Kelsey's like, the fuck you talking about? (laughs) He's like, have it your way.
1: Any any, anyone else have thoughts on the chapter? Um, No, not really. Okay. So predictions, let's go reverse order of how, the introduction section. So Joe can go first on predictions. How do you okay. think the plan is going to go from here on out and then any other predictions you want to do too? I don't want to stifle you. Yeah,
2: sure. Stifle meat bag. No, um, <laughs> that's a nice Bender quote for you there. Good drama, great show. Uh, until Comedy Central picked it up and then it was terrible. Yeah, no, it it got weird. We'll move on. Uh, So, I really don't know. I mean, I feel like he he might just try to start chaos in Luthadel at this point. Just like blatantly turning houses against houses, instigating as much rivalry and war in the city as possible just to plunge things into chaos. Maybe he may try to do like planned strikes against certain outlying garrisons and things just to I mean that I feel like that's his only move now just like plunge everything into utter chaos so that he can somehow reap the benefits of it that's uh, that's my immediate predictions for how the plan's going to go okay um i've got a few things also that i want to talk about in relation to just just theories that that I've had that we've all had in the past that kind of where I think the book is heading generally so I'm gonna I'm gonna start with like little bits for example the earring I mean we talked about this to, to to an extent the earring that Vin has her mother gave her I do I do think Vin must have snapped that day whether it was when her mother tried to kill her or when she killed her sister, however it, it happened. I think maybe Vin killed her sister. I don't know the exact details. The earring is a mark of the nobility or basically people like, you know, the, the jewelry, jewelry, metal in general. It's like that's a mark of nobility. Her mom is calling her a queen. If anything, you know, at the least, I feel like that means that Vin, that she's... a Acknowledging Vin's noble blood. At the most, calling her a queen, I would think that she is the Lord Ruler's daughter, which is something I've been theorizing about for for a while. So we've got that piece. I think Reen knew more about Vin than maybe he let her know, and I think that's maybe why he decided to leave, because he didn't want to be around her when whatever explosion around her might have happened he may have been aware that she might be caught by obligators or, and that he might be implicated as well. So um, I think that may be why he left. And then the 11th medal, I've got kind of a wild theory about if Kelsier gets it to work, I almost think it might be like, it might be the medal that allows you to bestow alamancy powers on people. Um, kind of like an avatar spirit situation from Legend of Korra where it's just like all these people he's going to somehow yeah, he's going to somehow figure out how to harness the 11th medal and use it to give alimantic powers to like tons and tons of people so those are my kind of predictions for maybe where i think the book is heading
1: i think you could probably ham mentions in this book or in this chapter rather or the previous chapter that basically if you have a couple thugs and like two or three coin shots you've got like a mobile army that can take on like Mm -hmm. a huge force right so if he found a way to give people Alamancy, that 2000 person army that they have could definitely turn into something um pretty intimidating
0: i mean like this could be a 12th medal which lets you take Alamancy away now
1: we're really getting into avatar
0: territory it's like
1: bending the spirit blood (laughs) bending
0: yeah spirit
1: or
2: blood bending
0: but it does it does make sense, like if like they make a point that the metals have opposites of each other, mm-hmm. you know. Like there's the push and the pull. So if if Joe's right and I, I like that idea the eleventh metal can grant Alaman Alamancy because like that would explain how the Lord Ruler does it. So presumably there would be something else that allows him to you know, Lord giveth, lord taketh away.
2: Yeah, or maybe the reason he thinks it's the only thing that can defeat the Lord Ruler is because that is the metal that takes Alimantic power away, and maybe the twelfth one is the one that gives it. Either way, I think it's mm-hmm. an interesting or, or uh, interesting theory that you know may have some may have some relevance to what what's going to happen. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, the two of those being a pair totally makes sense uh, given what we know of Alimancy so far, and we still don't know what the ninth metal does. Just throwing that back out there.
2: You can't know what it does. They haven't even mentioned it yet. No. Yeah, that's true. That's that's weird to me that they haven't mentioned it, but I mean, I can only imagine that if we're talking about seeing the future that it would follow that it allows you to see the past, which maybe they don't talk about it as much because it's not as useful as a, a of a tool, at least not directly to Kelsier. I was, was going to say if anyone would find that ability useful, it would
0: be Sazed. Oh, he it's would like, love you that. Can, yeah. You can see the past? Oh my god, let me grab a pen. Tell me what you see.
3: I do think it's a bit odd that no one, like, in the book has really asked about it from memory either. Like, especially Vin learning about all these medals, you know, and I know she's not really strong with math, uh, but surely she <laughs> should know there's a difference between eight and ten. Like, something's in the middle there. <laughs> what are we missing here?
0: She's not good with math. She's not good with reading. She's not good with running. Like, she's running out of, out of, out of abilities here. It's like she never went to primary school. <laughs>
1: Well, that's a perfect segue into uh, not Dax's turn, but Jamie's turn. What kind of predictions? What do you think (laughs) is going to happen with the plan, and what other predictions do you have?
3: Yeah, okay. So uh, the plan, I think losing I said – they've effectively lost half of the army that they were intending on putting together. They've got 2,000 left behind and 7,000 accrued so far. So they've gone and lost 5,000 people. I guess with the strength of the garrison – Even an army of 10,000, I don't think would have worked. So I think they're in a better position now that they've lost the army early and they've been able to see how the garrison would respond because they've really, they've just pulled everything out and gone, no, we've got to shut this down. So even if they had all 10,000 go into battle, wherever they were going to go, I don't think it would have ended well for them anyway. And then you would just have 10,000 deaths rather than 5,000 deaths. So... The fact that they've still got 2,000, I think, gives hope for the army. It does mean that they need to change their tact altogether. And I think, at the very least, temporarily putting, sort of filtering the scar back into the population is probably a good call. Because at this point, they don't, like the Lord Ruler's garrison, they don't know that there's more of the army. All they know is, yeah, we've defeated the army. I don't think they'll stop looking for them, but at least they know. It does mean that the Lord Ruler's on to their plan which which sucks. I think I I agree with Joe that Kelsey is probably going to keep going with a more of his chaos approach in Lutherdale. But I, I I don't think we can discount an army. I I'm not sure if I brought it up on an earlier episode or not, but I I sort of thought a lot about well, people people snap. They go through this traumatic event, they snap, they become Mistborn, I hadn't really thought about maybe another medal being able to give the Alimantic abilities to, uh, to people, but how many of these people will snap and how many of them could be Mistborn and actually give them, you know, more strength. So I think they're going, the, the Lord Rulers really focused on, okay, well, they've given us 5,000 to battle you know, they're, they're, they're working on building a huge army to take us over. And I think it's going to be a smaller group that are more powerful that will be the ones that will go ahead. So I think there still will be a battle. It won't be as large. It can't be as large. There's no way after this news gets out that people are going to want to be recruited for this anymore. But with the people that they've got, they may still have people who are willing to to go through with it. And and if, if some of them, I don't know whether you would snap just knowing that your whole army's dead or whether it's something you've physically got to be a part of or see for yourself or I I don't really know how that would work, but it wouldn't surprise me if there's a lot more of these people who turn out to have alimantic ability that will be able to be put into use into a plan Hmm. in the future.
1: Interesting. That's that's a really good thought. Most of their friends dying might uh, influence some of them to snap. I would point out that the plan, as far as we know it, was never to have the army openly fighting anybody, but they were going to do an attack on the pits of Hathsin to get the garrison out of Luthadel, and then they were going to move their army in after the garrison was gone and take over the city and like kill the Lord Ruler while they were gone so that they didn't actually have to fight.
0: Oh, jeez. Like, steal my prediction before I get to sure. it, why don't
1: you? Well, I mean, that, that was the plan <laughs> that, that they outlined that for us. Cool. I'm not like... <laughs> revealing anything we already were talking
0: I, explicitly I, I i i know but like that like that's the when we get to it that, that's the bulk of my prediction we'll explain why when oh. we get there
3: okay but yeah so i don't think well, i mean that's true yeah. but they like they now could be ready they're, they're ready for that now like the, the garrison's gonna be on standby i mean they think they've defeated this army they know how they were gonna behave and yeah that's a good point i hadn't really remembered that that was that was the plan but yeah i mean they also know that the armies that are out there are enough to defeat that. And maybe if they've gotten rid of that, they wouldn't send the garrison out now. Mm. Okay.
1: Any additional predictions?
3: Um, no, not really this week.
1: Well, Dak, now you can have your turn. Now that we ruined your prediction before you got, <laughs> how dare you?
2: <laughs>
0: um, yeah, no, like my thing hinges on the fact that they've sent the garrison from, uh, out from Luthadel to, uh, go deal with this army. And so I thought, the the crew is nothing if not opportunistic. Like, they see an opening and they'll take it. Think of, like, oh, Ham, you volunteered to go with the garrison like an hour ago. Yeah, get on that. Go, go help them out. So we've got a man on the inside. Mm-hmm. So I think that that will probably come into play. Like, they might leave a few pockets of resistance out rather than going for occupying the city while while the garrison's out there. They might leave some little insurgent groups out in the wilderness to form a guerrilla warfare-style attack and lead the garrison from place to place. The main thing is to stop them from coming back to Luthordale. Meanwhile, the bulk of the forces, sure, there's not many left, but they can also do the same thing in the city, do do more guerrilla warfare-style things to weaken the city while the garrison is not there. And then you can try and just... it just, that just strikes me as the, these are the guys that will take, especially Kelsia, he will take the opportunity from what he's got, and at the moment what they do have, they don't have the army, but they do have a city without a garrison, so it's more undefended, and it's going to be easier for them to make their attacks and make their strikes. So I picture, yeah, going, going more guerrilla warfare style rather than the all-out invasion they were planning, and then they will try and take the city from that and i think that's going to draw the inquisitors out because less of a garrison and more of smaller resistance they'll think yeah two or three spike faces will be able to deal with this <laughs> um and then we're gonna we're gonna really <laughs> we're really gonna see the inquisitors in action i think as a result of this
1: okay interesting yeah you guys you it, got some good points in there
0: all right yeah i, th- I, th- I think ham is going to be causing a lot of problems for the garrison while they're out and about as much as possible he's going to be trying to lead them this way or that way just to you know buy buy the guys in the city some time
3: didn't the the guy he was speaking to in the garrison said he'd make him an officer straight away yep yeah yeah so i mean he could be in a position to actually mislead them that's an interesting thought yeah
1: this is true okay any any additional predictions, just uh, generally speaking? I had
0: a craziest shit one in my head a second ago and now it's escaped me.
1: Oh, those are the best
0: kind. <laughs> I know, damn
1: it, where did I where did
0: that go? Uh Oh yeah, yeah. It's 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 um just thinking of people using different Alamancy for things. I just I just see Kelsey getting more and more unhinged and doing crazy shit with Alamancy, so I picture him just standing behind a table full of swords when people come through the door and he just goes, alright, push and all these swords go flung and pin the dudes to the wall and then for some reason in my head that spiraled into Kelsia going into the tunnels and trying to use Alamancy to pull foundations out of the wall so buildings start collapsing on each other. I don't know how likely that is, but that might be funny. That would be impressive. Yeah. Okay. I
1: like uh, I, I like how crazy that got. He's with swords <laughs> making like an outline around you and pinning you to the wall. Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's fun. Very specific.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm seeing like a cartoon in my head, and I can't think of which one it is, but it totally happens all the time. And card like a million knives fly off and don't hit you, and just like make an outline.
0: Yeah, I don't know. For some reason, I just picture Kelsey just like getting as dirty as he can with his alamancy now, and just pulling off all kinds of weird shit. I feel like I feel like he will start setting, using it to set traps, and he will he himself will be the bait, lead someone in there, and then all of a sudden turn the tables on them.
1: Ooh, he's the cheese in the mousetrap. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I I like it. I
0: I feel like that is something he would do. With swords. Okay. Swords, giant bricks, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, he can't move bricks. Well, with pewter, I guess, and strength, he could. But not with, like, you know, magical movement, force pulls and things.
2: Well, just
0: imagine Uh, he's got, like, a a pallet of bricks set up, suspended over an empty space, lures someone into the empty space, and then flings a knife up to cut through the rope, holding it uh, up.
1: Yeah, okay. Okay. Like Marconi in the second Dresden Files book when he throws the knife. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's a random reference that I threw in just because uh, <laughs> people won't follow it. Okay. I like uh, I I like all of this. This is all going to be fun, and will be fun to see. And this this leads nicely into uh, the next thing where we got a couple of emails that I was just going to bring up. Yay. One of which uh, was a genius idea from. Uh, hold on. Let me let me make sure that I'm. Uh, saying the right person, looking at my emails, from uh, Angela, who we've heard from a couple times. She was the first person to like ever email us. She sent in an idea where she was like, what you should do is, for the end of the book, put together a most accurate prediction segment once we found out what was right and what was wrong.
0: Uh, just the school
1: And br- bring back some stuff. So I'm totally trying to think of the best, most fun way to do that when we get there. I was thinking we might even... Like, I would just read the predictions to you guys, but then when I edit it and put it up, I would, like, edit in that section from those episodes where that prediction was made and, uh, you know, talk about uh, who did the best job overall. Because I even said at the beginning, I was like, I'm thinking about keeping score, but this will be more fun where it's just, like, listen to these crazy predictions that came true because you guys have probably forgotten most of the ones you made anyway.
0: <laughs> so it'll be fun. But we've made a lot of predictions so far. It's yeah. hard to keep track of what we have and have not predicted so far. <laughs> exactly so it'll be even yep. better when
1: you're you're like holy crap <laughs> i said that
0: also i feel like that like this scoreboard thing there'd be enough material in that to make a whole episode on its own
1: yeah probably quite possibly and what and i was thinking about whether to because i feel like what the episode where we wrap up this book there's going to be a lot of uh, discussion about like the book overall and as you can imagine probably when you get to the end of the book a bunch of stuff is happening so Yep, it that's will how it would probably be work. a pretty full episode by itself. But the short that I have planned for us to read next is not is like as long as one of the chapters that we would usually read. So I was thinking maybe just incorporated into the episode with the short that I had planned. Okay. So it's like the first half of that is some, you know, fun, this kind of stuff, and then we'll talk about the short after. But we'll see. We'll see when we get uh that far exactly how it'll go. But yeah, that was one thing that we got. I loved her idea. Thank you, Angela. It's genius, and I'm working. I'm still working on exactly how I want to see it play out, but it's going to be fun. And the other one, which I was just going to mention, uh, was we got a comment, somebody suggesting that we uh, we all introduce ourselves at the beginning of every episode, and we discussed it. And basically, uh, we do introduce ourselves. What what the comment was like specifically, like saying what we do, like what are our professions, to give a better idea of our. Uh, our outlook and our perspective that we're bringing to this. And we talked it over kind of decided that it's probably, it's going to bog the whole beginning down too much. And we don't want to get into repeating a whole long thing at the beginning of each episode. So not taking that particular one, but I didn't want, uh, no, nah, I have to find his name again. I didn't want anyone. Blue Priest was the person who gave us that suggestion. I don't want anyone feeling like we weren't listening to all the things that we're hearing. We are. I just can't promise that we will take all of the suggestions. So there's
0: that. Uh, appreciate the suggestion. Didn't think yeah. it was feasible.
1: So if anyone else wants to send us stuff, uh, Blue Priest commented on Podbean, which you can absolutely do. Angela emailed us at thesanderlanch at gmail.com, which you can absolutely do. You can also tweet at us at thesanderlanch or post on our Facebook page, thesanderlanch. You may be seeing a pattern emerging here. That's (laughs) that's how that works. I have even uh, (laughs) – this week I created an Instagram account. I don't know how entertaining it will be because – I don't know what pictures I'll be putting up every week. I can't just go out and steal people's fan art and start posting it because that seems a little bit uh, not cool. So I figured that I would just – I'd give people the opportunity to follow on Instagram. And then you know if that's the way you want to find out each week when the new episode comes out and you can click the link from there, that will be out there too. I'm going to try to make the pictures entertaining, but I can't make any promises. (laughs) That's the new place this week. I think we we discussed – Sorry, go ahead.
3: I think we discussed one week, you know, having um, some of our listeners draw what they thought, like, the Mistborn cloak was going to be or, you know, yep. do like that. It could be cool to upload your pictures and tag us on Instagram as well.
1: Absolutely. Do that thing. So, uh, yes, if anyone, wants, <laughs> if anyone wants to make art based on us or if you want to make the songs that Joe keeps asking for, feel free. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah come on you know you want to i don't think he's gonna get his it sucks to be a ska segment song oh uh, come on it's much more fun to hear him sing it every time
2: yeah hold on i'll give you a sound (laughs) clip and you can just like you know loop it put some music behind it so here everybody shut up for a second while i do this all right it sucks to be a ska there you go have that
0: (laughs) very very,
1: very good i'm
2: impressed (laughs)
0: But, like, people should totally, like, like if if you can, draw stuff of things that we've talked about, and we can see how it comes out, like, you know, summoning volcanoes or the scarf, <laughs> like, talking about the mist wraiths on the roof and shit like that. And, like,
1: draw a mist wraith possum, sure. <laughs> uh, okay. I think that's...
3: Uh, can't I'm draw. Just... I would love to see a stick figure version of that little comic strip. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm tempted
1: to draw that. That's... I can't even draw it. That would be fun. Okay, uh, I think that's it, guys. Uh, Miracle of Sound uh, Music. Check him out. It, I always say them, but it's, it's really like one guy who does – you can even find some of his videos on YouTube where he's like got five different windows where he's playing all the different instruments and then kind of synthesizes them together. It's kind of amazing to me who has no musical talent how good some people are with various – like five different instruments. But anyway, check that out. Send us emails. Send us tweets. Do, do all the things. We're in all the places now that I could think of. Do offhand. all
2: of the do all of the wassing with the doing.
1: Yeah, the wizzing and, oh and the doing. Oh my god. Hey, at least you got an apology in the annotations this time where he's like, if you guys hate this, I'm sorry about this chapter. Yeah, yeah
2: at least so I got that.
1: That's more than you get from most <laughs> authors who write something you don't like, right? So that's anyway, true. thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see uh, you next uh, what, week. What chapters? What chapters? Oh, do do next time? thank you very much. Uh, what chapters – let me bring up my thing. Next week we're starting part four, Dancers in a Sea of Mist is the title of part four, with chapters Ooh. 26 and 27. Two chapters.
2: I hope there's gonna be exotic dancers. Yes. <laughs>
1: I hope your what, wife what? over here is just that one line <laughs> as she's walking by your door. <laughs> uh, mm. Okay, thanks everyone. Chapters twenty uh twenty-six and twenty-seven. We'll see you next week. Bring
3: up the brother in me, I'm searching for unity everything